along with Bill Hayes, I'm Don Landry. On today's show, it ain't easy being red, eh, Comrade Kermit? Are the Muppets commies? Our podcast poet laureate Bill Hayes goes all Leonard Cohen on Herman Cain. Actually, he goes Dr. Seuss, and you go Dr. Seuss on him, and that's that's more appropriate. Blocking on Twitter. Why is that seen as such an unacceptable practice? Some people deserve to be blocked, if not clocked. Ho, ho, hold on a minute. Why can't Happy Holidays be acceptable? Alec Baldwin should play Tattoo on a remake of Fantasy Island because he knows the meaning of de plane, de plane. I got a flyer today in the mail for pizza with ultimate stuffed crust. I have mixed emotions about it. Glad they've come this far, but I'm sad that we've apparently reached the end of stuffed crust advances. De plane, de plane. Politics, sports, entertainment, pop culture. It's all fair game here. Somewhere in the city of Toronto, two brains are about to collide. What will remain is the gist of it. Here now are Bill Hayes and Don Landry. Don, I've done it before and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to lay a little poetry on you. You ready for this? Hang on a second. I want to get out to my car and get my beret and black turtleneck. That's right. And how about some uh, nice little sandals to go with it? you got to wear the socks, though. That's a good look. Okay. <clears throat> oh, how times have changed when it comes to presidents. Things like morals and integrity don't seem to matter to residents. A man like Herman Cain can turn accusations around when all his indiscretions by the press are finally found. It doesn't matter what the facts are, or who did what to who. It seems old Herman got around, but nothing stuck like glue. What's really weird, though, is how folks now have put their faith in Newt. And he's a guy who really knows his way around many a divorce suit. Okay, enough of the poetry. I'll admit that was a little lame. But still, I want to make a suggestion. I thought it was excellent. I'm going to salute you with the coffee house beat poet salute which is just cool thank you snapping of the fingers okay i'll take it you know it's a little scary but um i want to make a suggestion from here on out whenever you're caught doing something you shouldn't and lord knows that happens to all of us at some point what you are in fact supposed to do is pull a herman cain that's right blame the accuser these days it seems to work fine I thought you might morph into, beyond the poetry, poetry of a different sort, which is doing like Herman Cain in his final farewell address. I don't think it's his final or farewell address, but you know what I mean. He gets Mm -hmm. off the bus and says, I'd like to quote from the Pokemon movie, and does a little Donna Summer from the closing credits. Isn't it amazing, and we've talked about this before, that Herman Cain says, you know what, I'm not going to allow you to satire me because I'm going to create something here that you can't possibly make more ridiculous or funny. He actually stood at the podium and quoted seriously went, I'd like to say something from the Pokemon movie. <laughs> you know, and the followers there with the black, oh, wonderful, yes. I, I, what is that? With all due respect, Walmart is what I think of. And I, I, that's not meant as a dig, but, you know, it's like, Really? Do you mean shopping for presidential candidates at I Walmart? Mean, lowest as common denominator. Zale, well, no, not even Zales, like uh, Tiffany's. Yeah, well, it, it's that kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, you got yourself a nice Timex. Um, and yeah. again, no do not, no no dig at Timex. The point is, how could you get someone who was less qualified to be president than Herman Cain, and how could he at one point be leading 
the Republican nominees. That's the part that's scary. The fact that he's running. Hey, you can go over U.S. history. There's always been guys who are like, really? He ran for president? Yeah, seven times. But the thing is, he actually led for a while. That's beyond scary. Well, again, I think it, it goes back to th stuff we've touched on before, which is that the radicals are really running the agenda for the Republican Party right well, now. Well, you say and radicals, I say idiots. Yeah, well, you know, same thing. I, I, it's hard to quarrel that that the radicals in the Tea Party aren't idiots. Uh, they, they clearly have hijacked agendas and, and have allowed people like people of, of more ridiculous nature all along to take turns at running towards the top. And Herman Cain seemed to be uh, the the pinnacle of that. Who actually made uh, makes uh, Sarah Palin look like a reasonable choice for a Republican candidate when you think about it. Might even make Donald Trump a reasonable choice in comparison. I'm talking about and. How does Newt Gingrich come all the way back? Because if you recall last summer, spring, he ran afoul yep. of the hard righties, and almost everyone on his staff quit. Goodbye, Newt. Yep. Blew it yep. so long. He never quit. I thought he had. And all of a sudden, a few months later, the guy goes from dead in the water, absolutely no chance to, to leading the polls, and Mitt Romney's got to be standing there going, there's just nothing I can do. Well, Mitt Romney, though, again, you know, this is a guy... I don't necessarily have a problem with flip-floppers because to me it generally means, I, I, I'll, I'll admit to this, when I look at issues, I do change my mind sometimes. I think that sometimes I, you know, more information come, becomes available or you see things a little differently. There's nothing wrong with flip-flopping, but in his case, he seems to do it simply because it's the politically expedient thing right. to do. Right. That's a problem. And and it seems to me that's the biggest reason they don't want to nominate the guy. Because in every other way, he's clearly the leader here. He's clearly the guy who should be the nominee. And yet, they're kicking and screaming with anybody else. And Newt Gingrich is just the latest example of who anybody else could be. Changing your mind on, on issues from time to time can just be a sign of thoughtfulness. It yeah, doesn't, It doesn't necessarily mean... That you know you change with well, the wind, change. or that you, sure. yeah, no, you shouldn't be completely and utterly rigid to too many principles. Mm -hmm. I don't think um, you should at least have an open mind towards gathering more information and, and, and thinking it over. But you're right. But by the same token, you you can't govern by opinion polls, especially when those opinion polls are being done uh, at Dave and Buster's. You know, with <laughs> with people who. Think that Herman Cain and his like are are top notch simply because they speak simplistically and plainly, and they're just like me. And I think we've touched on this before. I don't want somebody to be prime minister or president who's just like me. No, I want somebody like Martin Sheen in The West Wing. You know, I want that kind of towering intelligence. Well, if it's going to be a Sheen, make it Martin, and for God's sakes, not Charlie. <laughs> no, that would be pretty good. Sheen Trump, Trump Sheen. Oh, how do we get Palin in there, too? How do we get Herman back? It's Phil Hayes and Don Landry, and you're getting the gist of it. I have not seen the new Muppet movie, so maybe I shouldn't pass judgment. What do I know about its actual content? A number of Fox News commentators are up in arms, kind of like Kermit, you know, flailing them around up there all in a lather, because the Muppet movie is about the little rascals trying to stave off a hostile takeover bit of their falling down theater, a bid by an oil tycoon who wants to flatten it and drill for oil on the site. His name is Tex Richmond. <laughs> okay. Brilliant. Apparently this constitutes class warfare, according to one wag at Fox, and others trotted out the favorite word, communist. Doubt it. 
If the Muppets were communist or even socialist, they'd have gotten Oscar out of that garbage can years ago and fixed him up with a spacious public housing dumpster, finally appointed with your hard-earned tax dollars. But maybe I am wrong. Maybe, just maybe, long ago it was decided that the machinery of the economy of the children's television workshop was oiled with the blood of the Muppets and they rose up in a soft and furry version of the Bolshevik Revolution. You know, right around the time they were, I don't know, probably framing Nixon for Watergate. I doubt that too, though. Because if the Muppets really were commies, I think they'd have named this movie Animal's Farm. Only with a singing and dancing happy ending. Oh yeah, a musical. That would have been good. And here's the other thing, too. Soft and furry. Never have I heard that in the same sentence as the Russian Revolution. <laughs> as Bolsheviks. <laughs> you Never have Bolsheviks ever been <laughs> described as, as soft and furry. No, you don't get I, that a lot. I, this may, in fact, be class warfare in some way. I, I wouldn't want to use that phrase, of course. I think they're overdoing it. But I don't think there's any doubt that uh, those who are in control of the children's television workshop or the Muppets and, and a lot of the machinery of Hollywood are, are left of center, some very far, some slightly left. But... And they seem to have cornered the market on creativity. Is it because, do you agree, first of all, and is it because creative people just happen to think a little differently than uh, hardened oh, ladies? I, yeah, I think it's, it's safe to say that creative people would, if you had to put them somewhere in the political spectrum, probably would be a little left in, in most cases. They're right. not always that way, but, but, but for the most part, that's true. Um, I, I would like to say that... Uh, if you are spending your time looking at a movie like The Muppets and trying to get some kind of political message out of it, three words, get a life. You think so? Because, oh, well, look at it. Come on. Look at it from their angle just a little bit. Or Why? try. Well, try. They're kids. idiots. <laughs> it's messaging to kids. and But... Well, don't roll your eyes at me. First of all, I'm not talking as me here. It, it is messaging to kids. The kids are going to, at a very early age, decide that uh, you know knocking down the Muppets Theater and drilling for oil is a bad thing. Now, I happen to think that that's the proper message, and I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to pervert that into it's okay to have the Muppets homeless and drilling for oil and continuing to pollute the atmosphere. But um, after all, you have adults who are of a certain political tendency delivering a message to young, impressionable minds. It's just that that's been going on as long as media has existed in whatever form. You, you Probably on one hill, a mile away, somebody was watching smoke signals and going, oh, those those pinkos. I can't believe what they just smoke signaled. Yeah. Just, and my kids are here watching. That's what they're trying to do. It's, it's not new. Here's Let's not thing. treat it like it's news. Those idiots who, who came up with this idea that it was communist more than likely grew up watching Disney. And Disney, while a lot of their stuff could be viewed as right or left-wing propaganda, right. nonsense. Yeah. You couldn't find a more right-wing company than Disney. It has no bearing on anything. All it is is entertainment. End of story. Here's what I think the right needs to do, generally speaking. goes back to an earlier point we were making. If, in fact, the left, left-of-center kind of block has cornered the market on creativity, on humor, on good movie-making, on songwriting, then what they need to do is nurture their own side. They need a Bob Roberts. You ever see that movie, Tim oh, yeah. Robbins? It's, it's about a right-wing folk singer. They need to nurture that side. They need to do it well because most of what you see coming from... Uh, entertainers who are on the right side, it just doesn't match up, especially when it comes into the realm of political satire. 
You can't. You got to try and match John Stewart. You got to try and match Stephen Colbert. You got to try and match Bill Maher. There's only one guy I can think of who you might consider right, and he'd even say he's a libertarian, not right or left, and that's Dennis Miller, right? Who holds, you know, harder. No, but yeah, but he's uh, on the right side. For I sure. would say so too. Yeah. So, but, so what they need to do is to nurture that. Fight fire with fire. Fight muppets with muppets. Get you know people who are like minded, and show any kind of creativity at all or artistic side. Get them to really hone that, and 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 battle them on this terrain. That that's good luck gonna, on that. If you're not going to win by criticizing it. You here's just, the deal. Let's just say, for argument's sake, they did a claymation version of Atlas Shrugged. Because <laughs> you know what, it yeah. wouldn't just be Atlas that would be shrugging. It'd be everyone. It'd be more than than claymation. It would have to be uh, mantle, sedimentary, igneous rock. I mean, you know. Atlas had the whole world on his shoulders. I would say that at first blush, if I'm on an an airliner and Alec Baldwin sits next to me, hey, great thing. This is excellent. I'm a big fan of Alec Baldwin. He's a very funny guy. Hopefully we'll have a great conversation. Then the other Alec Baldwin comes out once in a while, and you, and you wonder if it might not be a good thing. And certainly if you were sitting next to him on American Airlines flight, whatever it was out of L.A. yesterday, the first flight, it would not have been a good thing. Allegedly. Reportedly. I mean, well, for, it would have been a quiet flight. Alec was kicked off the airplane. It would have been a quiet flight. <laughs> and um, we're still trying to get all of the details as to what happened, according to him and his... Uh, Spokespeople, it was, you know, a rude and petulant uh, flight attendant who really caused him more troubles than he should have uh, earned. Uh, but, you know, and a guy who, you know, is just Joe everybody sitting across the aisle said Baldwin was a jerk, that he was asked five times to turn his device off. He got up, he stormed into the bathroom, he started pounding on the wall, and they finally kicked him off. So I don't know exactly what the truth is, but. When it comes to Alec Baldwin, I have a love-hate affair with him. I love when he hosts Saturday Night Live. Uh, but I, there's very little doubt after that answering machine message he left for his, for his daughter? daughter a few oh, years yeah. ago that this guy can go a little oh, he can off, go off the rails. And, yeah, yeah. yeah I so. think that's fair. Uh, he's Look, he's a movie star. Uh, he's also doing 30 Rock, which I think he's brilliant in. I yes, think as is. an actor, yeah. he's, he is one of the best we have. Um, I don't know that know that that necessarily gives him any more or any less uh, sway when it comes to things like this. Um, clearly, he has some temper issues. There's no doubt about that. Um, Only one in Hollywood to have them too. Oh, yeah, yeah it never <laughs> happens. Any, like you've never seen anyone from Rim. Oops. Oops. <laughs> but 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 the thing, yeah. Uh, and and so far as we know, alcohol wasn't involved. And as a matter yeah. of fact, it, it it couldn't have been that serious because he he did in fact fly American Airlines later that day. So, you know, I I think it it, it probably was a, a uh, something that 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 mushroomed became a bigger thing than it did. And the next thing you know, boom, just get off the plane. I get that. I also think though, and this isn't necessarily to to defend him, but I think that people in the uh, in the airline business are very much more um, nervous or unwilling to put up with anything since 9-11. Yeah. I, I think you see that you know, there's a, a much stricter interpretation of rules 
than there was before. Why? Because that. Alec Baldwin may actually be a sleeper cell terrorist? Oh, I don't think so. I'm not suggesting that. Sounds like think, that's what you're suggesting, Bill. No, what I'm suggesting is we've empowered these guys. Yeah. We've empowered them to be the arbiters of anything. And, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that they were wrong in this instance. I don't know. Nobody does. But I think that has to be a part of the equation when you're looking at this as well. Simple for me in some ways. Alec Baldwin, Don Landry. If the attendant says turn off your electronic device, you know what I do? I, I turn it off. Sure. Um, so you can too, Alec. If, if that's the case, if he just decided he wasn't going to do it, whether they're intelligent regulations or not, and that's that's another thing that we can discuss here, actually. You, you just do it. And once you get over 10,000 feet, they're going to let deal. you do it again. And, I, and of course, at that point, you can't hook up with your friends. He was playing some word game, which, you know, is not, words it, with friends. I words think. with friends, which is, I guess, kind of like a Scrabble game or something like that. But you know what? That's it. You turn it off for a while, plane takes off, you can turn the thing back on later, and of course you can't play with friends online at that point, but so what? Uh, it does bring up another issue, and I've been reading a couple of articles in, in uh, publications like the New York Times, and that maybe these regulations are just kind of silly. That maybe there really isn't much evidence to suggest that you having your cell phone on is going to cause any problems in the cockpit or with communications. Right. But then I thought there might be a flaw in that investigation, that journalistic investigation, in that they talked about individual machines. And I thought, well, what if on a plane load of 120 people, 100 of them have stuff on? Maybe then that's a problem and maybe why these regulations are in place. But it seems that one little uh, smartphone isn't going to do any kind of harm to uh, Here's the any thing of the electronics that. on an airplane. My view on that is very simple. It may or may not be the case. But if I can't do without my iPad or my iPod or whatever the hell it is that, that they're asking me to turn off, for the 10 minutes it's going to take before they can allow, they allow me to put it back on, I have a bigger problem than I thought. Yeah. You, it's not that big a deal. Turn it off. Turn it back on. Everyone's happy. I, I mean, you know, whether or not it has any impact on the actual flying of the plane... If they tell me it could do something, I'll turn it off. It's not a big deal. I, I, don't, I just don't get the problem. And I don't get the argument with that either. Uh, to me, it's not a big inconvenience. It, no, and it's you not know what? It's either. not a right that you have either that you can have the thing on. seems to be a real inconvenience for, for some people who are completely attached to this kind of thing. But I, I'm going to guess in the case of Alec Baldwin, uh, in the case of, of many people, I mean, often when I get too angry, uh, and have a hissy fit, if you want to call it that. It's probably not really about that, that exact little issue. Like if you talk to Alec Baldwin, uh, you know, in a calm moment today about it, and say, "Were you really that angry that they asked you not to play words with friends?" He'd, he'd probably say, "No, it's not. There were other things going on. Um, well, you know, I didn't like those, the way they talked to me. One of the other things I'm that Alec might be going on GD here Baldwin. is that that's probably a big part of it. But another thing is maybe he's not a good flyer. Yeah." You know, and, and look, there's an awful lot of people who aren't. I, 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 you know, I'll give him a bit of the benefit of the doubt, but not too much. Again, you know, uh, past evidence suggests that he's a hothead. And Alec, if any of this happened, you know, you're just, you're a jerk for doing it. This is The Gist of It with Landry and Hayes. It is one of my favorite things to talk about, social media and the rules, the changing rules, mm -hmm. the non-rules. What are the rules? And we do that once in a while. Pertaining to Twitter particularly, had an interesting conversation with somebody who said, you can't block people on Twitter. They have a right to, to do their thing on the internet and say whatever they want what? and comment the way they want. We started talking about it because Brian Burke 
felt the need to tweet at some point over the last week and a half or so, contrary to reports, I have not blocked anyone on Twitter, as though this is some kind of a scarlet letter, and that confuses me, because I have blocked some people on Twitter simply because they don't want to play by what I believe are the rules of conversational decorum. You can get sure. heated, you can say, you're wrong, but when you start swearing at me and calling me an effing idiot and I don't want to play with you, you don't get the right to put anything on my Twitter page or on my wall on Facebook. And and, and I, I, I met some pushback on this. Well, no, you can't do that. Then you're seen as, you know, you're, you're copping out. You're, you, people who disagree with you, you're not allowing them to have their say. No, no, no. It goes beyond that. It goes, be, it goes to rudeness. It goes to insulting behavior, which I don't want to stand for. And I try to make this comparison. If I'm sitting across from that guy or woman, whoever it was that I blocked, and they say the exact same thing to me, I don't want to be any part of, an, of, of another conversation with them. I'm leaving. I'm gone. So why is it different on Twitter? What? I don't think it is different. I, I agree with you. And I, I, I want to revisit the, the Brian Burke situation in a minute on that. But in, in terms of blocking someone, I've never done it. But then again, I, I've never had that kind of an insult thrown my way. Um, I don't tweet an awful lot. So that's part of the reason, I'm sure. But I think the, the, the thing with this is that there's, a, there's an anonymity that goes with any of the social media. You don't really have to say who you are. And I'll give you a great example. I read a, a posting by someone who was suggesting that he was, was uh, really never hiding behind any of his opinions on, uh, on Facebook or whatever because he always uses the same signature. In other words, right. whatever his handle is even though it's not his real name. Yeah. And, and I chuckled because I said to myself, well, hold it, you're missing the whole point here. If you're not reason using your real name, then you are being anonymous. Right. I, I, I don't know, you know, I'm Billy Bob 617. Who the hell is Billy no Bob 617? No one knows who you really exactly. are. Exactly, that's the point. And I think what's happened here is an awful lot of people uh, have gotten into that anonymity and thinking that it opens up an awful lot of doors that in fact it never should and, and right. run near as I could tell, was never meant to. It, it all of these things were, it, I think, designed uh, originally, anyways, uh, to put you in touch with people you know or people you want to know or or something along those lines. It was not meant to get into these discussions uh, that, that that end up getting, I think, overly hot over issues that, in the end, don't mean an awful right. lot. And and. The, the anonymity part of it comes into it because by being anonymous, you can, in fact, go over the line. Right. And I'm, I, I agree with you in that respect. That doesn't allow you to go over the line. If you want to say those things to me, tell me who you are, and we'll have a frank and honest discussion. And I guarantee you, most of them won't. Fine with um, dissenting opinion. Sure, Fine what's wrong if, with that? And again, if it gets a little bit heated, and can I describe exactly where my line is with somebody? Sure. Maybe, Do you I, know where you have Maybe I can. Okay. I'm, I, well, I'm not, I'm not sure I do. And, and I think it, it might change a little bit, not a lot on a daily basis, depending on how I'm feeling. But if somebody starts saying you're an F in this and you've got your head up, your you know, no, I, I'm not going to allow that. It's not intelligent. It doesn't suit my rules of engagement. If you want to say my idea is idiotic or what I've said is idiotic, that's different. And I can understand that. And I treat Facebook the same way. And, and I had a conversation with somebody about this months and months ago. 
you know, if somebody, you know, wants to post something on your wall, they, they, they get a chance to post it on your wall. You let people do that. Well, that's my wall. It's no different to me than if it were really the wall of my house and I allowed friends to put things on my wall. And if one of my so-called friends put something on the wall of my house that I don't want there, I will take it off. And that's how I treat Facebook as well. I'm not... I'm not suggesting that people should be cowardly and should shut down dissenting opinion. I just want people to demand that there be a certain amount of, again, I guess it goes back to the word decorum that I used, or you know, proper engagement and not just, I've read your blog of 1,200 words and my uh, retort is, you are an a-hole. It's it's not good enough. It doesn't no. pass muster. Let's just demand a little bit more. Well, if you're going to have a discussion, have a discussion. Right. And have some rather intelligent comments to make as opposed to, like you say, insults that add nothing to any debate. Right. So I And I found it interesting that Brian Burke felt the need to say, hey, 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 I have not blocked anyone. Because there is, I think, that stigma that if you block somebody... You're hiding something, and that's that's a that's wrong as well. I don't think for a second that Brian Burke shouldn't be able to block someone because I, I'll bet you he gets lots of people who don't like him and are in our writing cruel, uh, profane, way offside things. He should be able to block that. He's not going to block Steve Simmons, who he's got a bit of a feud going with, because they it's. It's obvious that they're on different well, sides of issues. Plus, but it gives more credibility it. to Steve Simmons. That's right. the last thing he'd want to so, do. I, I but think to have to apologize because, or, or no, to clarify, I, I don't block people. That's it. Falls way short of saying you're censoring opposing ideas when you block somebody on Twitter because you don't know what the reasons are for I, somebody I, blocking. Well, I would, I'd be willing to bet that that his uh, Brian Burke's account was put together by someone else that he doesn't really know how it works, that someone else might have looked at Steve Simmons and went, yeah, I don't like that, boom, mm -hmm. and possibly made a mistake that way. It might have, I'm not suggesting that, for, for, that it happened, but I also don't believe Steve Simmons would write it unless he believed it. Right. So I, I think something happened, and it, it doesn't matter. In the end, um, I, I don't believe for a moment that Brian Burke would, uh, he would care about what anybody had to say. So why would he block them? Wilson, a bit of a different story. I think he's got a thinner skin. I don't. I think Burke doesn't matter to him. He wouldn't read it anyway. So, as far as all of that goes, though, the original point we were getting at was blocking. I'm all for it. If something is sent your way that offends you or that is overly over insulting. the line, get rid of them and don't ever let them back. This is the gist of it. Don, it's getting closer to Christmas, and you know what that means. That means that radio stations everywhere have chucked their format, whatever they do, 11 months of the year, and started going wall-to-wall -wall Christmas music. Now, if you're like me... Why have we not done that then? Why did we not well, we just should've. decide to do like a 35-minute podcast? Nuts roasting up. That's why. Oh, that's probably... Yeah, that's that's probably exactly well, we could have just played Andy Williams you... all the way through. No. What? Uh, no. no, whoa, whoa, hang on. No. Okay, I like it. I, I, yeah, I no. gone to We're going to get off track Cole. for just a second. I'm sorry, but... Andy Williams, his Christmas album is is the greatest Christmas album of my lifetime. It is an amazing work. The kick-assiest version of Jingle Bells you will ever hear. I'm going to put a little in here in the podcast for people, all right? From the top of the chimney to the top of the wall. Dash away, dash away, dash away It is 
a terrific album. I, I, I don't mind if you pick Nat King Cole over top. Just I do. don't. I do. Don't you ever. I do even Bill, go Bing you, Crosby over Andy don't Williams. Don't you ever denigrate Andy Williams again. Well, yeah, Or it will be a black Christmas for you, all Oh, right? not that, please. Who was in that? That was a good movie. I remember that. That's a pretty good movie. Anyway, what um, were you saying? Well, what I was saying was there's a reason why radio stations do this. And as is almost always the case in examples like this, it has nothing to do with their format. It has nothing to do with the music that they play the other 11, other 11 months of the year. It has an awful lot to do with the bottom line. It, it appears as if, in most cases, ratings double or almost double. And that means you can go to your clients, your advertisers, and... What's the word I'm looking for when you when it comes to revenues? Double. There we go. <laughs> and I, I know you're you're surprised to hear this, but radio is a business. I'm sure they're thrilled to hear that when you come to them and say, "Yeah, we're doubling your prices." I mean, you can go to agencies and say that they probably understand it. You go to the uh, retail stereo shop, and I think they probably go, nah. "Well, think about it. Retail. When it comes to retail, what is it that is like something like 70, 75 percent of their sales happen just between?" U.S. Thanksgiving and Christmas right. Eve. It's, I mean, it's a massive amount of money. It only makes sense that the advertising would also cost a lot more, and apparently that's the reason behind it. So get used to this. It's not going to change. And if you're one of those people who goes, I hate listening to this stuff, get over it. Well, see, I'm wondering if people are, are just being a, a trifle phony baloney when they say things like that then, because if the numbers are bearing out that listenership can be doubled and has in many markets... Are, do people just say, ah, oh, Christmas music already, I can't stand, come on. Are they just saying that, but secretly they're getting into their car and cranking it up and doing well, the guilty pleasure thing? who doesn't tap their toe to Andy Williams? Exactly. I don't really appreciate early Christmas music. And when I hear Christmas music, I want to hear what I want to hear, which is quite often a lot of Andy Williams. Yes, I will say that, and I don't want, I don't, I do not want to hear... Wonderful Christmas time by Paul McCartney oh, every single day oh. in most day parts. However, and that seems to be a go-to tune. Driving home for Christmas by Chris Rea, I'm in. Well, again, it's I good. It's that. got a tinkly little piano in I, there. I but like I mean, it. again, if I hear it too much, driving and I don't though. See, that's the thing is, I don't hear too much driving home for Christmas, but I do hear too much wonderful Christmas time. But that goes back to the old top forty argument. You hear that, right? It does, you don't hear that song any more than any of the others. You just don't like the song. That might you. That's you exactly may have what it is there. I, I no, to, I don't know. I don't uh, know. Uh, I used to get into that with people who'd say, you know what, I, I, I can't stand you, This is when I was at CFTR. And they go, you guys play the same stuff over and over again. I said, well, you know, well, tell me a song you don't like. Yeah. And they'd say, when you play it over and over again. I said, okay, tell me a song you like. Uh, and then they'd say the name of a song. And I'd say, well, we play that just as much. No, you don't. Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. It's just, you get that reaction. Uh, that's only partially true, like. though, Bill. It's only partially true because are you, you can't sit here and tell me right now that I will hear... Christmas must be tonight by Robbie Robertson. As much as I'll hear "Wonderful Christmas Time" by Paul oh, McCartney. I think here you might hear it more because "Christmas no, must no. be tonight" is Canton. Yeah, no, but I don't think you will. I don't. I think you are mistaken, <laughs> sir. Here's a question for you: Why don't we write a Christmas song? I've always, yeah. I've always said to myself, you know, if I were an aspiring artist, someone who's trying to get and can't make it in the music business yeah. for whatever reason, I'd work my ass off to come up with a great Christmas song because even if you don't make a whole lot of money out of it. Every year you're making not a whole lot of money. I think you know what I mean? I, uh, and I, yes, I do. And I have an idea for you then. Okay. Uh, well, we talked about Alec Baldwin earlier. And Sweaty Balls is one of the great all-time skits on Saturday Night Live in its history. Never mind just Christmas skits. But I don't know. There's not a song. If we could come up with a Sweaty Balls song, we could ride that pony. 
Yeah, but we'd have to give up some of the uh, the money to the guys who wrote it. You know what you'd have to have plenty of in a Shweddy Balls song? You'd have to have plenty of Cowbell. So this is Christmas And what have you done This is The Gist of It Another year over With Landry and Hayes And you won't just be gone I watched a piece on Jon Stewart, The Daily Show, last night. Brilliant show. Uh, and I will admit this is something that I've been thinking about, not just this year, but the past several Christmases, actually. Um, but according to Stewart, things are changing a little bit on this. It used to drive me a little crazy. When I'd go into a store, I'd be obviously doing my Christmas shopping, and whoever the salesperson who I'm buying from would end the conversation, end the transaction with the words, Happy Holidays. To which I would often say, Merry Christmas, because right. I, I, I do believe that it is Christmas. It's not Happy Holidays. Um, but apparently there's been a backlash against that. And apparently like people are a lot more vocal about it than I guess I was, uh, because it seems like more and more people are now saying Merry Christmas. And to me, that only makes sense, because I think one of the things about this Christmas season, this sales season for retailers, is it's about Christmas and I don't think it's political correctness. Could be, but I think political correctness was why they were saying happy holidays. God forbid we, we at some point offend somebody. What is offensive? And here's a question I'll throw at you, although I think it's rhetorical. What's offensive about saying Merry Christmas? I mean, I want, I want to throw it right back at you. What's offensive about happy holidays? It's inclusive. It's, it includes Merry Christmas. It includes Merry Christmas. But it isn't specifically holiday, Merry Christmas. Whatever your holiday is. But look at it from the point uh, of view of a, of a retailer who doesn't want to upset anybody because they're going to buy things in their store. So here's something that under one umbrella says, whatever you're into, whatever you're celebrating, I dig it. Go for it. Thanks for coming to my but store. Here's the Happy problem. holidays doesn't mean... Not Merry Christmas. It's it's construed that way. And well, I that's think, not my problem, though. If I'm a retailer well, or a person here's who the says, thing, I'm just trying to include everybody. If you're going to construe it, if your inference is that I don't like Christmas, I am part of the war on Christmas, that's on you. That's not on me. Well, here's the thing, though. If, as a retailer, I say Merry Christmas and that offends you, you have every right to say, hey, happy holidays. I just think that in this particular instance, it's about Christmas. Yeah, That's what it that. is. I want to remind you of something that you may or may not remember. That at Maple Leaf Gardens, every December, as a kid growing up, I think until they closed uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, they wrote on the ice, Seasons Greetings. Seasons Greetings. Constantly. That That's not be... Merry Christmas. But you know what? It's also not Happy Holidays. Seasons Greetings. What, what's that? It's the same thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Seasons greetings, happy holidays. In this season, you're getting greeted while you're on holiday. It's interpretive, though, Don. That's what it. This is about the interpretation. The interpretation is that somehow it's politically correct to say happy holidays. Seasons greetings, in some weird way, has never really been included in this discussion. I find no problem with it. Happy holidays, to me, though, is kind of saying. Well, if you don't want to step on anybody's toes, you're stepping on it by not really addressing why I'm there, and that's because it's Christmas. But you know what? You're still stepping on fewer toes than possibly. You you might be. Uh, uh, There are many other 
holidays that are celebrated around this time of year, or maybe not many, but you know, certainly well, the couple the that I can think of. If somebody said to me, happy Kwanzaa, just as an example, I wouldn't be offended. No, neither would I. But it, it, that's the other part of this equation. I'm not offended by happy holidays or season's greetings because it means, again, all of it. Whatever it is for you. If you're a snake charmer and you decorate uh, the body of a dead snake and put it on top of your house, as long as you're not hurting anybody. But I come to think of it, you hurt the snake. You know what I'm saying, though. It, I hate Whatever the snake. you're into, as long as you're not hurting anybody, then hey, have a good... This is the time of year when we all celebrate those kinds of things. But on the other hand, um, I don't think that you know my Jewish friends should be upset if I forget to Why say Happy Hanukkah, upset? if I say Merry Christmas because it's my thing, it, the spirit of what I'm saying is, I, they're very common. See, and that's the irony of this whole thing, too, is people are getting upset. You're being more inclusive of, uh, of all of the different religions and celebrations that are at this time of year supposed to be celebrating the same kinds of virtues, which are togetherness. Peace on earth. Oh, I see the irony. I do see the irony. Of course, of course. But I don't think it's about that. I think it's about the purpose behind it. And I think that that's the thing that I get offended with. It's it's like there's no reason to not say Merry Christmas if that's what we're talking about. And to me, ninety five percent of people, that's exactly what we're talking. I think there's a perfectly good reason, as I mentioned before, and I'll sum it up again. I think it's an economic reason at the retail level. It and that is a plausible reason, and it's it's all the more reason to not get upset when a retailer does that. He or she is just trying to put a little money in their pocket so they can get the biggest and finest Christmas goose in the land for December twenty fifth. I can tell you a Christmas goose I'd like to lay right about now. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, Happy holidays, while the merry bells keep ringing. There's an elementary school in Michigan. Well, actually, there are many elementary schools in Michigan, I do believe. I'm not I know sure. Of at least four. Yeah. If it's Mississippi, I'm not so sure how many there are, right? <laughs> Cheap shot, but let's soldier on here. Teachers trying to teach the young uh, tykes uh, to sing some Christmas songs. One of them is Deck the Hall. And uh, every time they come to Dawn We Now Our Gay Apparel, the kids start giggling. Teacher. So the story goes, finally goes, I, you know, just to get through rehearsal, let's just change it to Dawn We Now, our bright, bright apparel. And there's a bit of an outcry uh, over this. Should there be? It's well, pretty much the same thing, isn't it? I don't know. I mean... The original look, definition of the word gay. It's changed, of happy course. And, yeah. Right. But you're dealing with... I, I'm going to guess, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this, it's probably eight or nine-year-old boys who are, in my opinion, apprentice morons. Now, that may sound harsh, but I've been around them. I know what they're like. No, it, it, it does sound a bit... You sound like that guy on that one episode of KRP. Children are insane. <laughs> <laughs> no, but boys especially that. Girls are, girls are different. But boys, yeah. their lives are very simple. It's you know back and forth and back and forth. And when, when one of them starts laughing at something like that, they all go. That's just the way they are. And it's, you know, I, I mean, I don't mean anything malicious about it. That's just the way boys are. And I can understand the teacher deciding, look, to get past this, we got to use an, another word. Yeah. However, I can also see where some people would be offended by it. Because there's nothing wrong with the line, Don, we now are gay apparel. It's just that, like you said, the word has taken on a new meaning and... It sounds like what you're trying to do is avoid that. 
Right. This is where I think it kind of gets murky because people in our generation and people who are slightly younger than us, you know, there's a very different context. I think, do you agree or disagree that over the last 10, 15 years in particular, the acceleration of of uh, the use of the word gay to mean specifically uh, homosexual? Uh, I would say exclusively. Yeah. So you've got young people, that's the only context they have. Right. So why not change the word to something that's a synonym? It's not an anti-gay slur. It's a synonym for what the word did mean. As I say that, I wonder out loud now that maybe this is actually more of a teachable moment. So on that one level, I can say, you know, you're not defaming homosexuals because the kids uh, are just giggling and the teacher does, wants to get through the show and is changing the word not to mean non-homosexual, like it wasn't changed to Don We Now are heterosexual apparel. Mm -hmm. It was, what did gay mean then when this song was written? What's a synonym for it that we can use today? However, you can go the other way and make it a teachable moment and maybe better than I have just done, talk to kids and say this is what that actually means in the context of the time it was written. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I think you're right about that. You, it's very much a teachable moment. But again, you're dealing with uh, not just kids at that age, but a climate where an awful lot of parents don't want that even mentioned. So, you know, you're, it's kind of a catch-22 moment. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Uh, you know, I understand why people would be offended by, the, by changing the word. I get that. However, I think it's also uh, a teachable moment for gays. They can't take ownership of the word. If the word is bringing about that reaction, it's an innocent reaction. No. It's not, there's no malice intended by these kids. It's just, that's how they react about any of a number of a thing, different things. Right. So leave it be. Don't make this into something that it isn't. It's a change of a word. That's all it is. We may hear more about this as time goes on. We could find out more about the teacher. Look, if the teacher actually has another agenda here and is a strictly uh, homophobic, anti-gay and decided that's why I'm changing it but I'm going to make up a little backstory here that makes it a little more acceptable. Well, that's then a different story. That's a problem. That's a different teachable Absolutely. moment perhaps and, and a different kind of outrage that you might have. But, but there's no indication that's in, what it if was. If it is innocently that, I get why a teacher might go, oh, geez, for crying out loud, we've been doing this song for about 45 minutes and we can't get more yeah. than past the first couple of bars here. I've got to do something about it. Well, here's it. another way to look at it. Do a different song. Well, as always, there's lots to chew on this week. The show took on a bit of a Christmas theme, and why not? It was recorded just feet from our Christmas tree. Fraser fur, by the way. Beautiful. Highly recommended. It's our first real tree in years. We had to go artificial because of allergies and because we lost our tree in the great flood of 11. Uh, we'll be back next week with more chestnuts, although I can't promise the open fire and don't even mention the gay apparel. You can leave comments at donlandry.com and billhayes.org, although that last one won't be operational till the weekend. So for Don Landry, I'm Bill Hayes, and that's the gist of it. I like your little gold Christmas tree, too. It's uh, a beauty, I'm isn't going it? to guess you bought, it's, you bought it in about 1979. No, I think it was closer to 899. And that's the gist of it for another week. The Gist of It is available every Wednesday afternoon through iTunes or at DonLandry.com. Deplane, 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 Deplane. De